0: You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources
1: Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm so glad you're listening today. During our series, Salty, Sticking Out for the Right Reasons, we're discussing questions related to each sermon. So this week, we heard the sermon, Be Together, Fight Independence. And on this episode, Ryan, Aaron Lutz, and Yancey Arrington discuss the question, why should I show up for church? We hope you guys find this conversation helpful. Enjoy.
2: All right, so guys, today we're talking about the importance of actually showing up to an in-person church service. And a lot of times people might ask the question, uh, do I really have to go to church? And so as we begin by talking about this, maybe we should talk about what the church is because we uh, people often refer to it as something that you go to. And I know that like that's <laughs> something that you you know get a little fired up about. So what what I is do. the church? What does it mean to go to church? Yeah, I think it's,
1: I think it's unhelpful. You're asking this question because you know it it gets my goat. I think it's unhelpful when pastors and church staff and regular Christians talk about, hey, welcome to church. We're going to church, which is not what they... That's not how they spoke in the Bible. That makes it sound like church is an event that I show up at instead of a people that I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the banes of North American evangelicalism is we've made... Church, uh, like going to the movies or going out to eat. It's just one more event, one more punctiliar happening in my life that I can take or I can leave. I don't have to go to the movies. I don't have to go out to eat. I don't have to go to church. And and I think we lose a lot when we talk like that. Um, and we 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 it's secondhand nature because that's how we speak in our culture. But I'd rather talk about to, to reframe the question: Is do I have to go to a church service? Do I have to go to worship service at a local church where they gather? Um, so I just think it's helpful even to address right from the beginning when we say like, do I have to go to church? What we're simply saying is for people right now, especially post COVID, is do I really have to go back to services, in person yeah. services? So I just yeah. I'll, I, I appreciate you. Knowing that I get wired up about that to make that distinction. Yeah. Well, Anything
0: and, else you want to add about that? Just defining the church. I mean, one of the things that we try and push back on the way that most people talk about the church is we say very often from our stages and our online uh, experience that the church is a people, not a place. Right. And that can sound really cliche. It's like, oh, there's some alliteration in that or whatever. Uh, but but we're trying to be faithful to what the scriptures talk about the church. So the scriptures use the word ekklesia as the Greek word for church. Uh, that means an assembled body of people. Mm-hmm. It's a gathered people. And so it's actually a political term. Uh, the Greek states used that to talk about when they gathered their people together. So it was not about the building they were gathering in. It was about the people that were gathering in that space. And so the church is a gathered people. It's a people uh, unified by mission and you know, identity, identity in Christ. That's the church. So by definition, it's a communal yeah. being. It's yeah. not
1: like uh, I am the church. It's we are the church. And so the church is a living organism. As we see that in First Corinthians, uh, breathed in, if you will, or, uh, or filled with by the, the Spirit of God, and so they they do things together, such as gather on what the Bible calls the Lord's Day, on traditionally a Sunday, and we gather together. So to go back full circle to the question, do I do I have to go to church services in person? I, I probably answered that in a funny way, and Aaron and Ryan, you can you can fix it. I, I said I say no, but maybe yes. And here, here's why I say that: it would be similar to someone saying, "Do I have to be baptized to be a Christian? Do I have to read the Bible to be a Christian? Do I have to pray to be a Christian?" There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to do those things. It just assumes that you will because it's it's kind of like saying, "Do I have to? Do I have to follow Jesus?" Hmm if I want to be a follower of Jesus? And so uh, that, that's how I interpret the question, because when I look at church history um, after the Old and New Testament and I see the church being born, you just don't see a bunch of churchless Christians. By that I mean, you don't see Christians, by and large, who are faithful, devout followers of Jesus that think of attending services and gathering with mm-hmm. this assembly as as something that's, that's optional. I'm not arguing for like, if you miss a Sunday, you're the worst Christian. I, I'm not legalistic like that. But there's this commitment to the community, just like I think anything else Jesus calls us to. There's a commitment to baptism, so we get baptized. There's a commitment to... to to submit to the authority of the word. So we, we read and submit to the authority of the word. We join in community and all these kinds of things. Part of those things in the life of that community is gathering as a community to worship
0: God. Yeah. So you're asking, do you have to? So Ephesians 2 is gonna make it really clear, by grace you are saved, not by works, right? So if, if the act of going to church is a work, uh, then, then no, you are only saved by grace, faith alone, all that. We're, we're clear on that with the gospel. <clears throat> But then you go to James 2, and James is talking about like faith without works is dead. And so uh, it's kind of what you're saying, like, do I have to be baptized? Do I have to read the Bible? Do I have to pray? And it's like, well, no, those aren't salvific in their nature, but they are outflows. They're the outcomes of what happens when you do. And so when James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And I think one of those works is that we gather with God's people. That's part of the outflow, the outcome of being a follower of Jesus.
1: Well, even that passage to finish out the Ephesians 2 passage, it yep. says that we were saved for Good works, yeah. So it, it it doesn't save you. It just shows that salvation's took take, right. taken in our lives, and right. so those are all important things. And so uh, that's why when you look in the text of Scripture, you have uh, you know admonitions and encouragements, like Hebrews chapter ten, which is probably the clearest cut example to me. Hebrews ten twenty five, where it says, "Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as such is the habit of some, but encourage each other." all the more as that as the day approaches. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of free verse off the top of my head, but yeah. I I really do think that that passage, maybe more than any of them, you have a specific exhortation in the Bible to say, listen, uh, we, we see two things. Even back then, it was a habit for some people yeah. to fall out of coming together. Now, it, this was in Hebrews, so they may have had persecution. People mm-hmm. might be getting killed left and right. I mean, this wasn't because, you know, the Cowboys were playing at the Coliseum. Uh, but even with that, he's like, still gather. Yeah. And, and because you're not coming just to worship the Lord, you're coming to encourage each other. You're mm-hmm. coming to be the body. You're, you've been gifted and those kinds of things. I mean, i I'm, give you
2: just a place at the table here. How do you, how do you <laughs> think about
1: this? Because you always seem to ask the question, but jump on in on this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean obviously, I mean I agree with you. We're saved by 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 grace through faith, so it's not Jesus plus going to church right. obviously. So if the if the heart of the question is in order to become a Christian, do I have to go to church? Well, that would be an example of some kind of work. So yes, it is by, we're saved by grace, but then right. obviously like there are all these things that that come along with um faith in Jesus and exhibiting a, a genuine faith. So submitting to the authority of God's word. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of say if uh how can you can you be a Christian and, and not really believe the Bible? Can you be a Christian and not submit to what God says in the Bible? Can you be mm-hmm. a Christian and not be baptized? And, you know, there's, it kind of gets to the heart of the question of, why are you even asking that in the first place? Right. Like is, are, why you, are you
1: wanting to be a Christian yeah, in the beginning? Yeah,
2: I mean, is there, is there some sort of minimum threshold that you're mm-hmm. looking for that you know, can, I, can I do this and skate right. by and still, and still go to heaven one day, you know, yeah. still consider myself a Christian? And so uh, maybe the, the heart behind the question uh, needs examination so uh, so you mentioned this a little bit in there and quoting some of the passage from Hebrews, but what is the purpose of gathering together for in-person corporate worship services?
1: Well, I'll give a couple and there's tons more. Sure. Um, one is to, to, to hear from God's word being preached. So you have the, you know, one of traditionally what the church is called a means of grace. And there's others I know that we can talk about, but one's the preaching of God's word. So we come together as a covenant, community. So we all believe in the one true God through the person of Jesus Christ, and we come and we hear God's word being preached, and we hear it all together so that we're accountable together to practice it together, mm-hmm. to, to be stewarded and shepherded in community from the preaching of God's word. That's one. Uh, I'll, I'll give one more than you guys can, can jump in. I, I think it's also a place where we can use our gifts. So one of the reasons I think the local church is important is because the Bible thinks it's important. And you have the book of 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about that the Spirit is given to individuals in the body of Christ spiritual gifts. So we would say that every person who is a follower of Jesus, a, a genuine follower of Jesus, has been uh imbued, given, deposited spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts, I mean, there's a list of them, not an exhaustive one, but, but in places like 1 Corinthians, like teaching or mercy or hospitality. Mm. And, and we can use many of those gifts when we come together. And the Bible even says they're used for the building up of the body. Yep. So I would say uh, hearing the teaching of God's word and ministering to one another would be two of the th- reasons we should come together
0: uh, regularly. Yeah, practicing the one another's. We do that by using our spiritual gifts, right? So when we're asking the question, do I really have to go to church? Some of the question we're asking is like, do I really have to contribute the gifts that God has given me to these other people? And it's a, again, it's like, why would you not? You, you're an important, significant part of the body of Christ. And we are, are missing something when you're, you are not present as a part of that. So it's not a, a, per, a performance of people on stage. It's not Yancey performing a sermon or one of our worship leaders performing a song. It is a participation in a worship service that's shaping and forming us to, to more look like Jesus, more look like the gathered body of, of Christ, uh, and then to serve one another in the way we utilize those gifts. And so we're not independent, individualistic people. We're interdependent um, parts of the body that are better when we're together.
1: And that's probably why the church is referred to not as an audience, yeah. but a congregation. Uh, we, 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 we come together And we congregate, we come together as a mass, but we also serve each other in a way. And that's where I want to encourage people. Like when they said, you know, I don't know really why as a follower of Jesus I should regularly attend because, you know, I want to come and and listen to the preaching or maybe sing some songs and then leave. And we're we're too easily infected with a consumeristic mindset Hmm. that almost comes by default for where we live. So I'm not throwing stones. I get it. I, I struggle with it as well. But really, I'm not. God doesn't call me to be a consumer of a product on Sunday, but to be a contributor. Yeah. I mean, you can contribute listening to the message, being actively engaged, asking the Spirit to speak to your heart about what you're hearing. Uh, you can be a contributor by singing praises to God, uh, lifting one another up in prayer, serving one another in ministry. And so what I, I want to tell people that kind of have been on the periphery, especially with COVID, but they, they just got in a bad habit is to say, come on back and find the place that God has for you. Uh, the, the place that he by his own spirit has wired you to be a part of yeah. because when the fullness of the body's not here everyone loses out and so uh, all the kinds of things that Aaron's been talking about and, and that I, I definitely want to stack hands on is like th- this is the reason we gather together is that we're we're better together as a whole serving each other and following Jesus and that that impacts, that impacts us tremendously
2: mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. I even think about just the opportunity to connect with other people, like yeah. the fellowship. Yeah. You know, I mean, just yeah. it's not even inside our auditorium spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, there it's in the lobby of just being able to meet somebody new or see someone that you don't run into on a regular basis throughout the week, but you can see them in the church lobby and catch up and see what's going on in their world and okay. uh, encourage them. Maybe even take an opportunity to pull them aside and pray for them. Mm-hmm. And those are things that um, you know you're missing out on opportunities to do that if you know if you're if you're just checking things out online. Um, but I also do think there is some benefits to doing some things online as well. I mean, yeah. I think about like um, there are times when you're out of town, yeah. and so I mean, there there is some sure. there, there's, there are valid, good, uh, edifying reasons to say, all right, I just listened to the sermon online for this mm-hmm. week because I had this going on. I was out of town. I was unable to assemble with the mm-hmm. with the the people, yeah. um, and so I, I still wanted to. Um, ingest the teaching of the word yep. that everybody else heard that week uh, for my for myself so um, you know hopefully you can bring that into small groups or other conversations you have so um, it is interesting to think about how we live in a day where we have the benefit of having some of those things but there is that part of us in our hearts that can take advantage of those modern conveniences mm-hmm. and sort of use those as excuses to, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe just, maybe I can speak for myself cause I don't want to project this on other people, <laughs> but the, the, the individualistic nature, the independent nature, the, uh, maybe even the, the, laziness at times for me to be able to say, Oh, we'll just, we'll just do it this way because it's easier. We don't have to mm-hmm. go anywhere this week and, um, versus making an intentional effort to, to lead my family, to, to show up to church that week. And, um, so, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you
1: highlighting the fact that we're not poo-pooing online stuff because it's there's a reason for it. And people have gotten sick, especially with the whole COVID thing. But even as we get towards the end of the pandemic, doesn't mean that we're still not going to have people that are ill within our congregation. And, and having an online presence is helpful. It is helpful. But mm-hmm. even when we did it, I mean, Aaron, you knew this more than anybody else and tried to set you up for the question. <laughs> but, I mean, you... Just in our data, we realized that we would put a whole service online, but some things just apparently didn't translate very well digitally.
0: Yeah. So we talk about a whole worship service is formative. The sermon is a big part of that, but it's not the only part of it. And so when we were trying to do some of those things online, it just wouldn't translate. Literally, you could watch YouTube metrics of people skipping through parts of the service to get to a sermon as if that's the only part they could really digest digitally but when we would sing for a long period of time or moments of silence or a guided prayer or confession and assurance all those things that are formative for us as a body of believers uh, just you're, you're missing out on when you try and do that digitally so it is it is a good preview of who we are you can see oh that's the kind of church that I would be a part of if I were there in person it's good to stay connected with the content and even that's important because it's like okay we're going to go apply these truths to our lives in the areas that we 're living in we scatter right so if I I'm out of town, I still want to be able to apply the same things with the people that I missed out on being there on that Sunday. Uh, but yeah, outside of the sermon, a lot of those other pieces were really difficult to do online only. You
1: said something that to me, uh, Ryan, is, and I know you believe this as well. Explain to people when we say, because I think one of the biggest reasons people should, maybe the biggest reason, uh, because I think this is kind of the meta category that we can fit it all in, is that it is formative. Yeah, That we see this the worship service Corporate worship services, spiritual formation. So when we say that, like, what what, you, what pops in y'all's heads when you talk about? And you, I'll start with you because I know that you
0: dropped the term. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do we mean by it's formative? Yeah, it's shaping us. It's restoring us is a phrase that we've used yeah. before. So there's there's a story that the culture is telling, um, that the world we live in is trying to shape us into, but the liturgy, the order of a oh, Christian worship sh- service is shaping us in different ways. So the way that we pray in a Sunday morning service is shaping the way we might pray later that week. Mm-hmm. The way we read the scriptures and interpret them is shaping the way we're going to read and interpret the scriptures l- or later in the week. The way we just gather together and pray Pray for one another is shaping the way that we're going to pray for each other during the week and so it's forming us as followers of Jesus yeah we should do like a sermon series on yeah. or something
1: well, that well no I'm just I think what we forget is how culture is formative yeah so mm-hmm. I know you guys joke about having the past you know Ryan went to University of Texas and Aaron went to the Texas so we're and I we' sitting so
0: far apart yeah, that's right you
1: I went to Baylor but we all came from <laughs> it was a rough weekend you know, that's right <laughs> we won't even go there but we we all come from cultures. Like, just take your school culture, whether it's the 12th man or the eyes of Texas or the Baylor line running out. Uh, If you go to these kind of football games, they all have a liturgy to them. They all have an order by which it's not just what you do, it's the order in which you do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I know for Aggies, it's their. I don't know where it is in the game that they do this, so you can enlighten me. When they put their arms around each other and they go back and forth and, you know, saw Bevo's horns off and all Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Like, there's something about. That liturgy that Im- that imbues values in us. Stirs your affections. That's exactly you know? right. And, it,
2: it, and he's it, getting fired up over there. He's <laughs> starting, starting to cry he's a little reliving bit. That, said, that, that's exactly that right. Final
1: field goal <laughs> against Bama. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, hey you can take down number one. You get to talk. <laughs> man. Listen, I, I, I get it. I absolutely yep. agree. But that that just shows you a little bit of the formative power of liturgy or of kind of an order of how we think about things. And so when we when we go to a service, man, it's it's not just that we pray. It's the yeah. fact that prayer is a part of what we do when we come together as God's people. It's not just that we give money. It's that we're 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 subconsciously also helping people form in them like hey man the church runs on a different economy mm-hmm. the, the the economy of the kingdom is where we we pull our resources and we serve the poor and we expand the kingdom and and um, we we submit under God's word and we're also a, a, a culture that has a value for singing to a God uh, that's way beyond us mm-hmm. and so those kinds of things like that's why. Uh, if you miss, because of COVID, we didn't get to go to these kinds of games, and you miss those kinds of culture-building things. That's why, even more so for the church, it's like we come together to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. And and the rhythms and the practices that make us followers of
0: Jesus. Well and the identity piece of that is interesting too. It doesn't yeah. just stir your affections to do those liturgy things. People identify you as that. Right. So going back to the college football thing, when AM beats Alabama, I have friends congratulating me as if I kicked the winning field goal, right? Like but they knew as my as part of my identity because I'm I'm part of that culture. What's everyone wearing at East 96 the next oh, day? Oh yeah, Maroon, all over the place.
1: Every Aggie yeah. that was alive and people that, that like went to AM for two Two weeks and then transferred to another school. Still are wearing AM stuff. And you know why? Because exa- for the identity yeah. piece, like yeah. this is, oh, that was my team. Yeah. And uh, and we all, I would do the same thing. It's like, that's the power of identity right. behind those things.
0: And so when we go to a worship service and that stirs our affections and we're shaped and formed into the followers of Jesus, it's saying something about our identity, not just about our activity, right? So it's not just that you go, it's shaping who you are and whose you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And I'm thinking about like how every... Every element within like a a service is intentionally there in order to be able to help build that identity, to help spiritually form our hearts. And, you know, even to think about like the different elements of worship that we're in, um, worship services throughout history has been really interesting. (laughs) But I I know for us, you know, we... You know, we've already mentioned singing and praying and giving. One of the things that I always find interesting is—is you know, we call it the greet and seat. You greet one (laughs) another, and then you have a seat. And you know, historically, like churches have done, they call it the passing of the peace. That's correct. When they're you know, it's an opportunity to like you know have fellowship for a moment and greet one another because it's a sign of community and love and Mm -hmm. encouragement. And even though it's just this really brief thing, uh, I always like it, and I think it's funny how sometimes. You know, we've talked about does that make people feel too uncomfortable because, you know, they don't know some people and it's like, oh, is that like their least favorite time of mm-hmm. the service? I mean, I I just, I enjoy that and I enjoy... It forcing people to get outside of their bubble a little yeah. bit just to be reminded now there are other people here and you can know them and okay. you can look them in the eye and shake their hands and then you're going to hear each other's voices yeah. and encourage each other as you're singing and then as you walk out of here like you might you know make a friend go have mm-hmm. lunch you know and um, you know the communities or the the church is more than just you you know coming and listening to something it's a community that you get to be a part of Ma- So it
1: makes me want to just come to service when I hear you say stuff like that that's, yeah. that's so encouraging one, one last thing yeah. uh, because I don't want to leave the identity thing, especially. And, and y'all talked about this. I think you and Greg and Bruce talked about this in the last podcast. But it's worth mentioning. Um, another reason that coming to service with regularity is so helpful because it's formula uh, because it's formative. As it, it reaffirms our identity, it helps mm-hmm. us remind of us. Uh, it helps remind us of our ultimate identity in a world of lesser identities. Not bad identities, less, lesser ones. So here we go. We have an Aggie, a Longhorn, and a Bear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Th- those, those are way down the list than what Jesus is for oh, us. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet we come to service to be reminded, hey, we're all, we're all one people ultimately mm-hmm. from every tribe and tongue and nation. And we serve one king, and we live for one kingdom, and we come in with all these other sub-identities that are good, yeah. but we're reminded when we come to worship services with God's people that ultimately we are God's people. That transcends all the other and actually reframes those identities where they're not, uh, they are not first of all, idolatrous. Secondly, mm-hmm. they're, they're in their proper perspective. So I'm a, I'm a bear, I'm a husband, I'm an American, I'm a Texan, I'm a whatever. Um, we all bring those in, but when we come to worship, Together, we're all underneath the cross as one people, and that if, if there was ever a time in the last 50 years, uh, there's probably no better time than the present to be reminded that we have one ultimate identity that mm. should really tutor all the other ones. That's what service is another thing I think it does. And we
0: talk me. about identity in terms of like college football because this is an easy sure, yeah, cultural yeah. example, yeah. right? Uh, but there are more divisive identities mm-hmm. that we tend to bring into, but man, at, at the cross, we're, we're unified yeah. in Christ. Yeah. And so even like the passing of the peace, it's like, what do we say to one another in a, a more high church liturgy? What do they say? Like, peace be with mm-hmm. you peace and also with years. you. Yeah. So I two days ago, I was in conflict with you because we have different identities, but we come in this room and we're offering peace to one another. Wow. Man, how yeah. formative is yeah, that? Absolutely. like It's a beautiful picture of what the church is intended to be.
1: And that's why we even have times like, I know I, I've seen both you seen both Aaron and Ryan do this, where we'll have a time of confession, uh-huh. right? Where we'll read a scripture, and uh, we, we talk about absolution, where we're not confessing that to a priest, but we corporately are okay. confessing it to Christ, knowing in the gospel God forgives us in him, and we're reminded of the forgiveness that he gives. That You don't get that any other... They're not going to do that at the local firehouse. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do that at Sam's, uh, but if you come to your, your, your regular worship service, More times than not, you're going to be reminded of the goodness of the gospel. I mean, the the thing that makes our whole life tick, uh, just all the more reason why it's so important for us to gather with some regularity.
2: Mm -hmm. All right, let me take a little bit of a turn here um, because I feel like we have some time. I could have stayed there all day. Is there there a minimum number of people to be considered a gathering of the church? And so I I ask in the sense of maybe someone who's part of a small group, but Mm -hmm. yet they really haven't been attending the, the the corporate worship services, but yet they're pretty regularly involved in their small group, opening the scriptures, they're praying with other people, but yet um, maybe they just haven't made that a priority. Maybe they got kids sports going on and they, and they just said, Oh yeah, for this season, we're just going to, we're just not going to be able to show up on, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Um, but we're still involved with our small group. So is that okay? I don't, I don't want to be, and
1: maybe Aaron will have a different view. And again, I, I... I may think differently in 10 minutes from now but I don't want to be legalistic and say if you're in a season of life where you're not able to 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 go with as much frequency to to corporate worship services as as in the past services as in the past then that's some kind of horrible deal I would just say you just got to check your own heart is this are you doing this for consumeristic reasons uh because everything we say No to means we've said yes to something else. And Mm -hmm. so now we're giving our kids the values that they're really going to live by. It doesn't matter what we say. It matters what we do. And so, um, but I don't, I can't get in the hearts of people. So I don't want to assume, oh yeah, they're doing this for bad reasons. They're just being lazy people. I I appreciate the fact that they're still involved with small group. Um, I I mean, that is a part of what we do when we gather as the church. Uh, I I do think based on everything we've talked about, here's what's missing when they miss uh, with regularity. But as far as like seasons that they go through, I, you know, I, I just would want them to make sure that they're checking their own heart with that because um, it doesn't seem like there's just much latitude in the scriptures for this. For for tons of times where you're just like, you know, I'm just I'm just not going today uh, because then you have to ask yourself, why do you not want to go? And it, the reasons that often we give um, really get trumped by what the Bible says for us to be there. So um, again, I want to I want to pastorally hand that well. Uh, And not just, you know, do it carte blanche, but... You know, that's, that's how I would approach it. I don't know how Aaron would say that.
0: Yeah. I had a small group the other day. We we're talking through this and they're like, Hey, look, we, we come to small group. We love and serve each other. We've taken the Lord's supper together before. Like what, why do I have to go to the service to watch a sermon? And that's part of the question is like, well, we're not just going to service to watch a sermon because yeah, you can watch that on your own, but there's so much more to the worship service. That's formative. We already talked about a lot of that. Uh, some of it is about uh, care and concern. So yeah, your small group is the first line of defense. But if something blows up in your life, do you want to be limited to your care and concern around the the six other people in your small group or the 10 other people in your small group? Like they can handle some, but like if you want an elder to show up and pray with you, but we don't even know you because you are only connected in small group. How do we do that with integrity and with, you know, love. Uh, when you when something blows up and you need somebody to provide a meal every single day of the week, your small group can't handle that on their own. But the church, because you're connected and serving, and you sit next to these people in service all the time, they can care for you in a lot different way. So there's there's benefit to that side of it too.
1: And I do think that you may be gathering in your small group, but it's not corporate worship as as yeah. we see. Described in the New Testament about corporate worship, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have elements of it. You're studying the scriptures, but I—I I doubt most people are gathering around their small group and singing a lot. Maybe some are, maybe some are, but I, mean, I don't think so. are not.
2: Most of them. I mean, <laughs> I meet mean, at Rudy's at six, well, six a.m. So again. Um,
1: I, those are the parts where we're supposed to gather together. Yeah. And there's, you know, it really is a, the New Testament gathering really is a reflection of the Old Testament covenantal gathering where they would come together as an entire people and they would read from the law and they would reaffirm. Uh, the covenant that God made with them. The New Testament's very much like that. We're we're being reminded of the covenant that God's made with us. Not that we've made with God, that he made with us through Jesus by grace and the, the kind of things that we do when we get there together, such as singing praises to God. I mean, that's the... That's the sin qua non of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. God calls us to worship. He calls to the New Testament to sing a new song to him. And so you're not called to be a great singer. I'm sure not, but I am called to worship with God. And there's something about worship that really is the telltale sign of, of where my heart is with Jesus and not in a legalistic way, but it's like, he's my Lord. I want to honor and worship and adore him. And God says, great, do that with the assembly. And so that's what, that's what they're giving up. And so, but again, let me, let me, go come full circle. I, I do think there may be seasons where, um, you may, you may need to drop out for some, you know, to put press pause as long as it's pause and not stop. And, um, and just to be honest about that, because I do think we can lean into being laziness or it's consumeristic. Mm-hmm. And then we're asking, what, what what do I get out of this? And, mm-hmm. and instead of like, what does the Lord
0: called me to do? We keep saying this, it's a hard issue and we can't determine that on a surface level behavior thing, but like, what question are you asking and why do you want to get out of it or participate? And so I think for some, like one of the reasons some might say, well, I don't want to participate is because it's uh, an anti-authority thing. And there's something unhealthy in our hearts about that too. So the the structure of the church that God has given us with elders and leaders, like that's good and it's formative. And so if the reason you don't want to participate is because I don't want to submit to a body of elders, then there's something wrong there too.
1: Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's true. That's why I would tell people like, I've had people like, I'm, I'm a part of a church. I'm like, well, what local church are you a part of? Well, it's this Bible study gathering, Mm -hmm. you know, at at the former Black Eyed Pea where there's three of us and we pray. That's the church. But that's not how the Bible defines the New Testament church. I mean, it defines it as having uh, elders, number one. Uh, rightly doing the, 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 the means of grace for Lord's Supper and baptism, using the gifts that God gives us, uh, a recognition of kind of authority submission in rightful, you know, honest, healthy ways. So there's, there's all kinds of ways that we see very healthy pictures of God's people in the New Testament. And it's not just you know, uh, us three and no more, and we have a Bible study. That's, that's a Bible study, but I don't know if I'd call that the local churches. I mean, right. when when Paul sent Timothy out, he said, I need you to establish all these little places we planted churches, you need to establish elders there because there's something about that that organism that demands the kind of leadership that a local church needs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think about the, the message this week, just thinking about the... Um, just the the, the the cringy side of that spectrum of someone who who wants to be independent and thinks yeah. they can do church their own way and sort of hole up and have you know maybe a Bible study that says no no we're we're doing like the real the real mm-hmm. church yeah. over here and um and and missing out on some of those other New Testament definitions yeah. of of what the church is and missing yeah. out on some of the uh, the means of grace of being able to share that with one another yeah. so all right anything else you all want to talk about with this one. We, I thought we covered it all. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I would I would simply just say that if we if we love Jesus, we ought to love what Jesus loves. Mm. Jesus loves the local church. He dies for the local church, or for the for the global church, but it's comprised of local assemblies. Um, and if we and and I, I get to places where like you know I'm a pastor, I'm a teaching pastor. And there's there's weekends where like you know it's a bad week. That may be all the more reason. I don't want to go to church services, but I need to. Mm. And, uh, and there may even be seasons where like, you know what? I, I'm not, again, a legalist about it. Maybe maybe just take it, you know, don't you miss a Sunday. That's great. And I, I we've never cared about those kinds of things. Um, the truth is, though, I want to love the stuff that Jesus loves. I want to love lost people. I want to love God's word. And I want to love God's people when they come together. Mm. And so I want to live a life that cultivates those kinds of loves. And there's nothing like cultivating a love for being a part of a corporate worship service than regularly attending one and and, and engaging in that, yeah. like readying yourself on readying yourself on Sunday morning to be like, Lord, I'm going to go be with your people. Lord, teach me. Lord, help me to be a blessing to someone. Help me to reach out to someone. Lord, maybe maybe help me to understand that anyone that's by themselves that's that's an emergency situation potentially because they're coming by themselves. I could just put an arm around them or maybe not weird them out. Just just say hi to them. And uh, but but you know, God, what how have you gifted me to serve? How can I honor you? and uh, honor the body today as we come
2: gather and that kind of intentionality goes a long way great all right thank you guys thanks for taking another question yeah, a podcast thanks man
1: thank you guys so much for listening today I hope this conversation was helpful if you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend you can find it at org, where you can also find articles, music and a lot more again I'm Rachel thanks so much for joining us today